Good morning. My name is Parker Williams. I'm in 10th grade, and I go to Sarasota High School. Our scripture passage today comes from the 21st verse chapter of Gospel of Matthew, beginning with the 23rd verse. When he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you this one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the, Baptist, did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another. If we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd. For all regard John of, as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later, he changed his mind and went. The father went to the school and said the same. He answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. This is the word of the Lord. Parker, um, thank you, Parker, for reading this scripture. And now let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Before you, we go on to the sermon, I just want to explain that two things. The first thing is 11 years ago today, I started my ministry here at Church of the Palms. So, thank you very much. It has been a wonderful 11 years of every day. Bill Mallet in the tech booth is the most guilty one for the reason. Bill was the chair of the committee and there were six or seven of them. So I'm very glad that we're still speaking to each other. <laughs> and also, um, where is Connor? He made me wear a stole today. So if you think it's strange, it's um, Connor's fault. He said, it's World Communion Sunday, wear a stole. So I fished out a stole my mother handmade for my ordination. And so that's from Myanmar and World Communion Sunday, makes sense. And again, thank you, Parker, for reading the scripture. That's a, not a very easy reading scripture. Um, I practiced it a few times and hoped that Connor would have a young person to read instead of me. So thank you very much. And today is World Communion Sunday, as I mentioned before, 
one of my two favorite Sundays of each year. The other one is Pentecost Sunday. The idea of World Communion Sunday was first mentioned by Reverend Dr. Hugh Thompson Kerr in 1930, while he was moderator of the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church. His congregation, Shadyside Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, first celebrated World Communion Sunday in 1936. They invited other Presbyterian churches and other denominations to join them. In 1940, during the Second World War, an organization that became National Council of Churches invited churches in the United States and around the world to join in. The need for Christian unity during the Second World War was very much needed, and it was very great. World Communion Sunday rapidly spread, spread around the churches, not only in this country, but around the world. The World Communion Sunday celebrates the sacramental nature of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. It also celebrates the unity of Christ of all churches in any country, of any people, speaking any language, of any culture, of any liturgical tradition, and of diverse theological backgrounds. By the grace of God, all churches are invited to the table of our Lord Jesus Christ as we have here. And to participate in sharing communion, together we are united most fully in the body of Christ in the world as the body of Christ in the world. So it is an irony that on World Communion Sunday, Jesus' parable that Parker read to us was about a man and his two sons is a signed gospel text. It is one of the most difficult parables for me personally. I'm pretty sure I confessed to you before that I love the miracles of Jesus and I find Jesus' parables difficult to understand. This morning's text, Matthew chapter 21, verses 23 to 32, comes as Jesus brings his ministry to Jerusalem. Immediately, religious authorities oppose Jesus. They ask Jesus by what authority he was speaking and teaching. Jesus says, if you answer my question, I will answer yours. My question to you is by what authority uh, did John the Baptist speak and baptize? And so the leaders said, the, church, the religious leaders said, we do not know. So neither did Jesus answer their question. New Testament scholar Herman Wigen clarifies this situation. He says the religious leaders' spiritual bankruptcy makes it impossible for to them to understand the relationship of John the ba John's baptism, which comes from God, and also the origin of Jesus' authority that also comes from God. To help the religious leaders understand, Jesus tells this parable of a man and his two sons. The man asked one of the sons to go and work in the vineyard. The son said no, but he changes his mind later he went and worked in the vineyard. And the father went to the second son, and he asked the son to go and work in the vineyard. He said, um, 
sir, yes, I will go, but he never did go or work. So the father, having been uh, turned down by the first son, now went to the second son and thought work was going to be done. The plot in our, our parable today has become complicated with that. New Testament professor William Barclay calls this parable the story of the better of the two bad sons. They are bad. I, in preparation for this sermon, I was arguing with Jesus for weeks. I kept answering Jesus' question. Neither of these sons are doing the will of God. But what I thought didn't really count. So, but here is my plot, though. If I could rewrite this parable, which I couldn't, obviously, I would be tempted to offer a third child. It will be a daughter who says yes and goes to work. See, that would be a really good parable. Well, she will be the best of the best child of all, but I don't get to rewrite the parable. So we encounter this kind of plot in our lives all the time, right? These two sons' parable remind me of the workers when we were remodeling our kitchen. How many of you have remodeled anything in your house? Well, we never knew who was going to come for what and when, regardless of what they told us. So when I was growing up, I knew one person named Chunga, who most often says no to anything he was asked to do. But always when he said no, he went and did it. If he said maybe, or I will think about it, you know it's not going to get done. My father used to say, when you ask Chunga something to do for you, you better hope that he says no, because then it's going to be done. Jesus does not ask which son is the best. He asked the religious leaders which son did the will of the father. They replied that it is the son who went and worked even after saying no. The religious leaders have promised to follow the law of God in order, um, in other words, they have said yes to God, to do God's will. In reality, they refused to do the will of God. They did not respond either to John the Baptist or Jesus. By their refusal to God's will, they have condemned themselves. They said yes to following the will of God, but did not follow when John the Baptist and Jesus brought God's will before them. Scholar William Berkeley says, the dilemma of the Jewish leaders was this. If they said that the military ministry of John was from God, they had to, they had no, let me start over the quote. The dilemma of the Jewish leaders was this. If they said, that the ministry of John was from God, they had no alternative to admitting that Jesus was the Messiah. For John had bore definite and unmistakable witness to that fact. On the other hand, if they denied that John's ministry came from God, then they would have to bear the anger of the people who were convinced that John the Baptist was a messenger from God. The religious leaders claimed not to know the answer, but as Barclay says, they ought to have known it 
as members of the Sanhedrin or the council, it was their job to distinguish between true prophets and false prophets. Barclay says there is the deliberately assumed ignorance of cowardice. Jesus confronts the religious leaders again. He says that the tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before the religious leaders do. How can this be? The tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God first because despite their earlier sins, in the end they obeyed. They did what John and Jesus called them to do. Okay, this is a parable, but I think I got it. Our actions in service to God are more important than cheap and false spoken words. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, one of my favorite verses, Jesus said, Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Our words do matter and they do affect others besides ourselves. We're called to make our words matter. As followers of Jesus Christ in the year 2023, here and now, we are called to be consistent in our word and our actions. Both our words and our actions are judged by God who created us, loves us, redeems us, and calls us to serve. In summary, neither of the sons fully does the Father's will. This passage is about God's love, forgiveness, and acceptance for all of us. Sometimes we behave like the older child, the older son. Other times we behave like the second son. Regardless, God's love for us is all the same at this, all the time. In God's grace, we are restored even when we fall away from the right path. There is room for all of us in God's kingdom, whether we are great or small, we are smart or not so smart, yellow, white, black, or brown, speak any language or not speak at all, or live in any culture. We are all in the same family of God. God's faithfulness to us remains the same and never changes. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. In the beginning, I said today was one of my two favorite Sundays of each year. On this Sunday, we get to share the gift of the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, like this one, with all our siblings in Christ around the world. Today, from the beginning of 12.01 a.m. Uh, all the way to midnight, Christians around the world are celebrating sacrament of the Lord's table. Today, we all come to this very same table of our Lord Jesus Christ in different parts of the world. At this table, we are beloved and invited guests. We feast with joy and faithfulness to God's call in our lives. Let us come to this table, redeemed as redeemed children of God. Let us try to live our lives every day better than either the first son or the second son. Let us pray. We give you thanks, O God, for this parable. Even if we don't understand it fully, 
we understand that your love for us is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Bless us to be your blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.